below the line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I was assistant director in Hollywood for the better part of eight years, and now I'm not. Regular listeners know that season four of Below the Line has been focused on awards season in Hollywood, and we just finished a series where we discussed the Oscar nominees for each of the technical categories with film professionals who work within that category. It's a series of which I'm particularly proud, so if you're joining us for the first time, consider checking it out. Today's episode is also about the Oscars, but rather than revisit the winners and losers, we're going to talk about the ceremony itself. First, we're going to discuss what it's like to be part of the crew behind the scenes at the Oscars. And then a little later in today's show, we'll talk about the experience of an Oscar nominee. Let me introduce my first guest, Avanda Padikuka. You've been a movie hairstylist for more than 30 years, and you've worked backstage at the Oscars three times, including this year. You're also a regular guest on the show. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure, Skid. Before we talk about this year's Oscars specifically, let's talk about awards season in general. I remember from my time in Hollywood that many of the hair and makeup folks I know are very busy over these months. Really, really busy for quite a few months because, you know, it starts off with people's choice and then SAG and then it just goes on and on and on. And so if you're not actually working the Oscars show, many people need makeup and hair done for the event some of which have never really done it before, whether it's a producer's wife or you know musicians, people, everybody that's going to be involved uh, to go to the event or work the event ends up having makeup and hair. So if I'm not working at the actual Oscars at the Dolby Theater, also before, I think it was at the Dorothy Chandler, we had, uh, I did one one year and I did the whole orchestra, which was fabulous. I had a crew of five people for that. Oh, wow. and we did their makeup and hair for the orchestra and a couple of producers' wives. But if you're not working the actual show, then you're going from, depending on how many people that I would be doing on the day of the Oscars, starting at sometimes 10 in the morning and go to different hotels in town, whether it's the Four Seasons or, you know, the Bonaventure, whatever, you, you have to travel from location to location, bringing all of the gear and go there and get people ready. And then when I'm done doing that, then I go home and watch the Oscars. So Vaughn, do people contact you directly or is there a network? How well, some clients call themselves, but most of the time there's either a publicist or an agent or somebody that calls and gets in contact with me to see if I'm available to do an actor, producer, producer's wife, whoever, you know, then they ask about the fees and then they, you know, it's just like negotiating, working on a film or a show. It's all the same process for us. And then we have a conversation, we set it up, they give us the time and the place, which ends up being very interesting because when we show up at these hotels, of course, they're waiting for us to get ready, but they're also having a blast because they're nominated for uh, awards or they're going with somebody who's nominated for an award. So people are having a really good time. There may be five or six people in the room. <laughs> and, you know, here we are doing makeup and hair and getting them ready just like any regular day. So it's always quite intriguing and quite fun. So it, it usually starts with either a publicist or somebody that is a management person um, that contacts me to take care of their client. I see. Now for the ceremonies itself, is it similar? Are you contacted by a producer or is there a larger group of folks or okay. something? You, so tell friend, me more about the Oscars direct. Yeah. My friend, Anthony Wilson has done the Oscars for years and years along with Bruce Grayson, who runs the department side. So Bruce Grayson does the department for makeup, and Anthony Wilson usually is heading the department probably for over 20 years, oh, wow. uh, the two of them. And they hire the crews they want to get the job done. And usually the players that are at the Oscars working are people that are very busy all the time. They work on films and television. There's Oscar winners, there's Emmy winners. Everybody in the crew backstage shows up and brings it because that's what everybody does in the makeup and hair world and also all the other worlds. And you know, I've been there many times, but 
this year I really had that light bulb moment. You know, there's thousands of people that make the Oscars happen. I mean, it's so remarkable when you get there and you go, whoa, this is crazy. From PAs helping actors walk around and manage getting up the red carpet, to the orchestra, to photographers, to hair and makeup, the the conductor, you know, the conductor came back to us. She was so fabulous this year. (laughs) Um, Just amazing. And she had on like a Game of Thrones coat. And my friend, uh, Lucia, did her hair and she was just it was so amazing when you get there and you finally go okay I'm done working and you look around and you see all of these people that are making this crazy wild live show happen on time everybody out on their marks at the right time and then boom it starts going and it's just from one thing to the next now from a logistical standpoint you and I have done some large background shows together in the past where we set up multiple stations and lots of folks uh, are working and, and, and moving the background through, you know, station to station to get everybody ready for a certain time. Is it similar to that or it, is a live atmosphere completely different? Well, it's both. It is exactly like that because we're on a time crunch, just like when we're doing a movie and we have a large amount of extras but it's also live. And so everyone, you know, you get into a rhythm like we did in movies where you you know what you're doing every day, you kind of go through it and you get it done. But with a live show, plus these people are nominated or performing or in some capacity, it's like one of those time of your life experiences. So the energy is just huge. The energy put out by everyone is big and it's all happening in real time. There is no, you know, I mean, on Fridays and Saturday, those were two days we were working before the actual live show, which we can talk about a little later. But um, it is very similar to getting a couple of hundred people ready and out on set at the proper time but you have to add all the element of excitement and party atmosphere. And this is so fabulous. And look at, here we go. And so there's a lot of energy going on uh, backstage. Well, and so Yvonne, say more about what happens on Friday and Saturday before the Sunday show. Okay. So this year they did something really remarkable. Um, And uh, for the frozen number, uh, we had, all of the international Elsas. And so in other words, they're the Edina Menzels for their country. And then they all performed with her on the stage. But on Friday, you know, they all came into town. They were all excited. And on Friday, we had to get all of them ready for all of the media blast, you know, the Today Show and uh, LA Today and blah, blah, blah. So they went on this little press junket. They came in on Friday. We got them all ready. We got the dancers semi-ready and did fittings for pieces and wigs and what we were going to do in preparation. And then Saturday is a full rehearsal, which means everybody's ready and they hit it and then go. And so that way we could work the kinks out and get everything really together um, and know exactly what we were doing kind of on Sunday. So it's, it, it was, that's what Friday and Saturday were all about for us. But those were full days, you know, right, um, right. two till nine o'clock at night, noon till nine. And then of course the day of the Oscars, we worked from 10 in the morning until, you know, I, I left probably when this show was halfway through a little more than halfway through. Cause at that point, even the folks who are coming up for later numbers have been through hair, makeup, they're ready and good to go. And maybe they're the skeleton ready. crew stays in case something comes up. And the crew that stays are the ones that wanted to hang out and do that. And Anthony makes that choice and puts them by a both, you know, stage left and stage right. That's exactly what happened. So I got to go <laughs> and miss traffic. 
And so, for example, you'd mentioned to me earlier, you did all those dancers for the opening number this year. They were all in costume and had hair and makeup. Are you starting with those folks at 10 a.m.? Or yes. is it just a matter of getting set up? Like, in other words, how much lead time? You, certainly people aren't getting out of the chair and going directly out on stage. That seems a bit risky. But I can imagine no. things get caught up a little bit. Like, how, how much ahead are you? Well, first of all, the opening number was huge. And we started at 10 o'clock with different various people and all those dancers. You know, of course, Janelle Monet had her own personal people, just like Adina did. But we did every single dancer. And it was quite involved because we had the little women. We had 1917. We had us. We had... uh, little uh, queenie and little slim all the and elsa's and all of that so it was fabulous to watch we watched the backstage and when they finished that number boy they were screaming it was just (laughs) six minutes of just non-stop full out and then they were done all of them were done and then we had to get all of our Elsas. You know, the Elsas didn't come in until later time. So, yes, first up, we got our dancers ready. It was It's quite an intricate schedule. And we did have two PAs in the back that work really well with all of us and our craziness mm. and keeping, helping us keep everything on track. And if we needed uh, stuff and it, what we couldn't find, you know, they were there to help us and handing out our meal tickets and, hand, you know, just kind of keeping the whole ship running nice and smoothly for us because we worked nonstop from 10 in the morning until the show started, which starts at five. So, you know, that's a lot of energy and a lot of getting together. My friend next to me was taking care of Miss Latin America. Now see on Saturday, Friday and Saturday, I had done three Elsa's, but on the day of the show, there was too much to do. So we had more hairdressers that came in because Friday and Saturday, we had a smaller group of people. And then on Sunday, the rest come in. So there were probably 18 makeup. I I don't know the full count. I I would be lying if I said I was totally sure, but there is a picture up on Instagram of the makeup and hair crew. Uh, backstage after we got everybody ready. So there's like 30 of us, you know, or more that were backstage getting all these people ready. And so it sounds like the logistics are similar to what we would do on any large call, but the intensity of it being live and all of these folks, both their energy and just the energy in the room, it sounds like that's infectious. It's probably a hundred times more intense than us getting 200 people ready in the morning at, you know, five in the morning Mm -hmm. uh, and getting them on set. It's a much mellower environment. We have our rhythm going, but with a live show, you know, we have no windows for error and it's got to keep moving. So that's the, it's like this little locomotion uh, that keeps, keep getting stronger and stronger and stronger to the live performance. So, yeah. And so you got to go home early and then watch the Oscars, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and did anything, uh, any particular numbers where you were like, Oh yeah, I remember doing that specifically. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I did many different people. So mm-hmm. um, the opening of the show, one of my characters was little Queenie. And of course she was a gorgeous, gorgeous woman who had bleached white hair And it was buzzed almost, not as short as yours, but buzzed (laughs) quite short. And I had to, you know, we designed a piece. I put the piece on her. I colored her whole head of hair. She looked just like a little queenie from the movie. You know, my Elsa that I did was from Norway. Just the most wonderful person. And just, you know, it's so exciting because we get to have these short and quick, just intense relationships, you know? And I got her ready, and I did uh, two singers for Sir Elton John's number. So, you know, all of the work is up there. The opening number was the most intense, and then the next one was the Elsas, because we did all of these Elsas from all the different countries, and then they went and sang, of course, with Idina. And then the Elton John number was fabulous. So all of those are like, oh, wow, we did all that. It's so cool. (laughs) And have there been years where you did stay until the very end? 
Yeah, the year that Marie Antoinette, Sofia Coppola was nominated and Melina Cananero, the costume designer, was nominated. And we worked very closely with her. I stayed till the end of that. Dream Girls was nominated. That was a huge year also. But they all are, I guess. You know, every <laughs> year is like, oh my God, these numbers are incredible. And somebody said, wow, do they always do this? And I go, yeah, because they got a top last year's. You know, so that's why I, it was surprising and yet also fabulous that they brought all of these international Elsas to California and, you know, Disney, all, they also got to go to Disneyland on the next day <laughs> after did. the Oscars, <laughs> you know, and they just were having, you know, time of your life experiences. So, yeah, it's just kind of like a remarkable thing to see all of that and see it all done. The year that Malena was nominated for costume designs and she was very much in the room and hands-on, uh, we made on the fly because they were supposed to have wigs prepared and somebody else was supposed to have the wigs prepared and it, they didn't know how it works. So they weren't prepared and we had to jump in and we made these powder wigs on the fly using their own hair and all these pieces oh, wow. and it, it was remarkable in fact i still you know ma the girl that i the model that i did of course they were all models gorgeous models uh, dressed in these fabulous costumes with powder wigs one of them had a ship on her head <laughs> and then after we got everybody ready melena said come with me and i went with her and she had this whole room set aside with all of the jewels and they were real jewels. So I got to handle all these millions of dollars <laughs> worth of diamonds and rubies and sapphires and put them in the wigs, you know, in appropriate artistic places that would add to the whole thing. So that was a really fun year. And I stayed till the end for that one. And the year that I did the whole orchestra with my team, when once we did the orchestra, we were gone. We were done. It was okay. fabulous. So, you know, it just depends on what's going on uh, the year that I work there. And like I say, I'll go and uh, work. We call it play. I'll go and mm. play with my friends if I'm not working on something else. And this year I was not working. So uh, it was just exciting and fun and, and crazy. It's, it's a wild, crazy ride. Now, the presenters, they've obviously had their hair makeup done before they got to the red oh, carpet yeah. even. The Are they coming in for a touch-up again before they go out on stage? No, or how they, is that, get that? they get touched up on the side. Okay. Either stage left or stage right, depending on where they're coming from. We have people on each side that make sure they're not shiny and they're not falling apart or any of that. Usually, <laughs> right, you know, got it. They, they stay together anyway. We did band members, orchestra people, gosh. Oh, I forgot the Dolomites. We did the Dolomites, too, for the opening, which was all wigs and all facial hair and everything, which was so fantastic. They're usually prepared, and they stay pretty darn good, you uh -huh. know, but we're there on the sides to touch them up before they go out to uh, announce the winners or, or talk about the nominees. And the year you stayed till the end, how's the energy when things are finally done, when the cameras turn off and it's no longer live? What was that? Well, there's a lot going on because they're already striking, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> they're striking the set and things are happening and people are partying and ha happy. And um, this year, I not only did my girl, my Elsa for the red carpet, which was an Audrey Hepburn look modern Audrey Hepburn from Breakfast at Tiffany's. And then she wanted a different hairdo for the performance. And usually we try and give them one hairdo because we don't have that luxury. Right. But there was a window from the red carpet to their performance piece so that I could change her hair for the performance piece. And then, cause I liked her so much. I, <laughs> I took her hair down for her for the governor's ball. Cause she was super excited. Usually we don't do that. We usually do one hairdo and hello and thank you. And that's the end of that. But this year, because I left, 
it actually starts dissipating once the show starts because mm. people are actually, you know, working and they have to like get things organized and get things people from one thing to the next. There's all these people running around getting people organized to take them over to the party and do this and do that. And there's crews striking. It's kind of like a wedding. What do you do when the wedding is over? It kind of dissipates and, you know, it's another that, that high energy kind of drops down and then people just want to, you know, go home. <laughs> so super intense leading up to it. But then once things much like a wedding as well, once the ceremony gets underway, it's a lot kind of, of pressure is done. So and then it yeah. actually, yeah, yeah, kind of fun. Well, that's probably a good transition to talk about, uh, to talk more about the ceremony. Avon, thanks so much for uh, sharing your insights here today. Really always great to see you. It's my pleasure. It's always good to see you, Skid. Now let's talk about attending the Academy Awards as a nominee. Joining me is returning guest, Steve Morrow. Steve, welcome back. Oh, thanks for having me. Now, Steve, you were nominated this year for Best Sound Mixing for your work on Ford v. Ferrari. It's your third nomination, following 2016's La La Land and 2018's A Star is Born. Just to get it out of the way, I was surprised you didn't win, Steve. Like when they announced Ford v. Ferrari for sound editing, I thought for sure that you were going to be up there next. Yeah, I mean, we uh, we were, you know, I think you go into it uh, hopeful, and then you hear the editing award goes to your same film, and then you, uh, you know, your fingers get a little tighter, cross fingers, and then uh, and then it goes to 1917. But I think at the end, it's you know, it, at the end of the day, it doesn't really, you know, matter who who wins the award. It's kind of fun just to be part of that that whole celebration of movies. So I think it was a fun it was a fun night, you know, regardless of either way. Well, I appreciate you coming on today to, to tell us more about that. And for folks who are interested in more about that sound mixing, sound editing split, they should go listen to the podcast we recorded talking about yes, what goes go. into those awards. So there's more there. Okay, awards aside, Avon took us through a lot of the prep work that's happening behind the scenes. What are you doing personally in the days leading up to the ceremony? Uh, well, actually, each year that uh, I was, we were nominated, I've been working. So we pretty much still hold down a job and, and, and work leading up to it. Uh, the week before uh, the nomination, there's an event that's the, the nominee's dinner. Uh, and that is pretty much just your, your branch. So your sound branch um, dinner. So it's all the, everybody who's nominated for sound editing and sound mixing. Uh, the Academy sets up a dinner somewhere and uh, everybody meets and you just kind of hang out for the night and just, you know, kind of chit chat with each other. And a couple of the sound uh, branch governors are there in attendance and they'll typically pass out a poster or th this year, I think they did a, um, well, I know they did, they did a uh, engraved bottle of tequila. So they had like a, uh, a laser engraver there and you could kind of write on it, whatever you wanted. And then they <laughs> nice. laser engraved it for you and you got to take it home. Uh, previous years, they would hand out, you know, like a hoodie that said Oscars on it and the number, you know, 89 or 91 or, you know, whatever Oscar number it was that year. Um, so they pass that out at the, uh, the sound nominees dinner. Uh, so that's on a Tuesday or Wednesday. I think it was on a Wednesday this, this year. And then, and that's kind of it. There's a, there's a Dolby party that they have uh, every year that nominees are invited to. Uh, unfortunately this year I couldn't make it where I was working and uh, actually a little under the weather. So I was just trying to, to, to stay working and, all that it, it's uh, so that's kind of the week of the day of pretty much, you know, when it comes to uh, men, it's easy. We just throw on a tux and put some hair gel in and call it a day. <laughs> uh, my wife ends up, she's, she makes her dress every year that we've gone and she only gives herself about three or four days to make the dress. Oh, wow. So she's putting on the finishing touches that morning and then uh, she does her own hair and makeup and, and we kind of get ready to go by, I think the studio has you picked up at one thirty, So you get to the red carpet around two fifteen, two thirty, 30. Uh, and that's kind of the morning of, so I'm, I'm pretty much in the morning. I'm just pacing around the house, you know, cause there's not much for me to do until about 20 or 30 minutes before we go. And that's, that's kind of the morning. I mean, there's not much for us to do. Now, you mentioned the studio coming to pick you up. I'm curious yeah. as far as the divide between what the Academy pays for versus what the studio pays for, or is there anything that you're left paying for? Yeah. That's, so the studio, so the studio starts off, you know, months before campaigning for the movie. You know, they feel like it's a movie that they can get nominations out of. And so they want, you know, depending on the type of movie, you know, if it's a sound movie, they think, okay, let's, let's do some, some Q and A's and some screenings and, 
in those things, those are obviously paid by the studio to, you know, to book the theater and to have us come. They don't pay us to come to do the Q and A's. We just do them out of, um, you know, it's, it's beneficial to yourself and it's also beneficial to the movie. So you go and do those, those Q and A's or, uh, you know, any kind of press thing, you know, interviews, uh, media, anything like that, you just end up uh, doing, they, they assign you a, a publicist from the studio and they kind of guide you through, you know, what they're thinking and what their, their goals are. So the Oscars themselves, I believe the Academy pays for that sound dinner, like I was saying. They also pay for the, the nominees' luncheon. So the luncheon is, if you've ever looked up the class photo for the Oscars, that's where they take the, the picture of all the nominees of the year, is at the Oscar luncheon, which happens about a week after the nominations are announced. You go to a, to a lunch on a Monday. And, uh, you know, you get to meet and greet everybody and everybody gets up on a podium and they take a picture. And that's, so that's also part of the Academy's budget, I'm sure. Uh, and the sound dinner is part of the Academy. And then the, you know, the studio basically gets you a car for the night. I mean, they, they, they pick you up, they drive you. Uh, and then, you know, you have the car all night if you want it, or if you want to go home early, you can kind of do whatever you want with that. And then, and then the rest of it, you pick up, you know, if you buy outfits or, you know, tuxedos or whatever it is that that's that's on your dime so steve you mentioned bringing your wife is it correct that each nominee is allowed to bring one guest yeah so as a nominee you're allowed to bring uh you plus one uh to the ceremony and also to the governor's ball um after the ceremony that's um uh, i always thought the governor's ball was put on by the governor of california but uh, obviously, it's the <laughs> obviously that's not what it is. Uh, it's the governors of the academy. So each branch of the academy has governors or managers uh, that you know that run the academy. So that's the governors all. And, and when they say that, you know, so I might have assumed uh, the same thing. But yeah, <laughs> that makes sense to me. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've always heard it, the governor's ball, and I thought, oh, that's nice. The governor of California puts on the ball, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's the the academy governors do that. After the ceremony, you know, if you're lucky enough to have the statue, you go up, you go up to the, well, everybody goes up to the governor's ball. That's kind of the first place where there's food and, and, uh, and drinks and you get to hang out with all your other nominees. And if you happen to have a golden statue, that's where you go up and they engrave it with your name and, and what you won. Oh, wow. Uh, and so that's, you know, that's definitely the first stop for, for everybody with the award and everybody without the award because you're starving at that point. We'll come back and talk more about what happens uh, post-ceremony. Let me take you back then. Car picks you up, takes you there. Tell me about arriving at the red carpet. When the car's driving you there, they have to take a specific route and, and you know, to go through security and things like that. And once you pull up, um, you're right there on the red carpet and you're, you're met with your publicist from the, the studio who kind of, they, they walk you through and let the, the Academy know that you're there. And then the, you're assigned a publicist to walk with you on the red carpet in case anybody wants to do an interview or photos. Uh, they'll typically hold like a little name plaque that says your name and what movie and uh, what you're nominated for. And um, yeah, so you go down the, the red carpet taking pictures and, and you kind of, you get to, to linger as long as you want or you can just speed right through it. Uh, it's kind of fun to linger you know, just take it all in because it's not, you know, you just never know if this is your last time that you ever get to be there. So it's, <laughs> it's fun to, to be there and kind of run into to friends and, and other people that you've gone the whole award season through. And so that's, yeah. So then you, you walk the red carpet that takes maybe 45 minutes, depending on what, uh, you know, interviews you do or what photos you take and, and uh, just kind of how long you want to, you want to spend. Maybe this is a silly question, but you don't have a timed arrival that you're supposed to be there? Is it, I mean, you can show up when you want or there's a window or. Yeah. Each year is different. The first year we went, I don't think that there was a timed arrival. It was more or less, you know, the car will pick you up at this time and jump on in. The second year for Star is Born, they wanted all the nominees to walk together in your group because in the sound mixing and sound editing, there's, well, at least sound mixing for last year, there was four of us total. And so they wanted all of us to arrive at the same time and then to go as a group. Got it. Uh, through the red carpet this year they didn't have a timed arrival that you know they uh, so I, I think they change it every year i'm not sure uh, what the idea is or who who decides that but so yeah th this year we said you know what time do you want us to be there and they said hey, whatever time you want to get there your car will be at your house at 1 30 and so okay. you get in whenever you want but i'm yeah, wondering so if the it. studio has some say in that in other words like if the studio says yeah we want everyone to arrive together there's probably a little bit of coordination there but my guess is that they want kind of the below the line nominees to get there earlier so that the, the stars, when they get there, 
you know, a half hour, 45 minutes before the ceremony starts, there's plenty of time and room for them. So if you basically, if you want to be interviewed, you get there early. If you don't want to be interviewed and just pushed along, then you get there late. Got it. Got it. And so you've got a publicist who also acts as a handler, in other words, as far as getting you through the red carpet exactly. manner that, that aligns with what their goals as well as, as well as yours. So, and yeah, so what we're seeing from home on TV is these celebrity interviews. There appear to be a couple of different locations where they're happening on the ground. Are you being interviewed? Are folks pulling you aside? Is How did that work for you this year? Specifically? Um, let's see, this year we, I was interviewed by CNN and they basically, their major question was, you know, the, the two sound branches or the two awards will be combining and what were my thoughts on that? <laughs> um, or potentially combining and what were my thoughts on that? And then we did an interview on the, on the carpet with Variety. And then beyond that, we did, uh, you know, photos in front of the, the Oscar wall where you first step in and everybody, you know, all the different publications take your picture and, you know, put it up on a, on a website somewhere. Uh, but that was kind of the process. We had a we had a potential interview at ABC, like on their Twitter, their live Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, as a, they wanted to do us as a group, and we all kind of didn't show up at the same time, and so it never happened because we we just we weren't able to coordinate it easy enough. So, are there other differences you notice being there, a crew member, you know, below the line nominee versus the celebrity nominees? However, you however people define that, I'm sure that. Well, the hard part is I'm sure there. are differences but since i only know the one experience i don't know what the difference would be uh which is probably better you know but uh, <laughs> it's like sitting yeah, up front no, I, on the airplane right that could yeah be- exactly <laughs> exactly yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure what the differences are i mean i know that you know where we sit at the oscars we're we're sat a little bit in the back but that's not it just it that changes every year so like uh this year uh, Don Sylvester, who won for Ford vs. Ferrari and, and sound editing, he was sitting up front, uh, but his category is smaller, you know, in the sense that there's less people nominated in his category, whereas in the sound mixing category, there could be up to four people per nominee, and that's five nominees, that's 20 people plus their plus ones, that's 40 people. So it's it's not strange that we're sit that we sit further back because there's just so many of us. Well, let's talk about seating. So it is assigned yeah. seats, I presume. That would yeah. make sense. Yeah. And so someone's, and it's the same seat all night. In other words, you're, you, you have an assigned seat, but they don't, they don't move folks in or out based on where they are in the announcements. Well, it actually depends. Uh, the, for us, we haven't yet moved in or out. It's the same seat all night. But the people behind us, which I believe were short documentary, when their category was coming close, they moved them all to the front so that whoever won could get up on stage quick. But like I said, I think, I think that is probably because ours is the largest count of people mm-hmm. that you would have to move. And so that's, I think that's typically why we don't move. Uh, but yeah, some, some categories, they move up front, you know, right before the, the, or during a commercial break, they'll shuffle people around. But for the most part, your seat is your seat until your category. And then that, that's when I've seen people shift around, but it's only been a few, a few groups, I think. I, I don't think it's that common. I think pretty much your seat is your seat. And folks get to sit with their guest, right? Like your wife got to be with you through the whole thing or did they separate you? Okay. No, no, you get to sit. Yeah, you you sit next to your wife the whole time or your husband or whoever your plus one is. (laughs) Or your mom. A lot of people bring their mom, right? right? Whoever whoever you bring. Then who ends up sitting in the balconies and sort of those overhang areas where clearly... Clearly, yeah, those to be can't honest, be nominees. Uh, yeah, those aren't the nominees. Any anything above that ground level is probably uh, guests of you know the studio or or actors or somebody. You know, uh, I'm not sure who actually sits in the balconies, like how that's assigned. You know, it's, I, you always wonder because you look at it and you're like, oh wow, there's a, you know, all those people are up there. <laughs> Tell me more about the seating. Presumably, if you want to get up, you have to use the restroom. Otherwise, you just need to stretch your legs. Yeah. Well, essentially there's uh you can, you can get up at commercial breaks and leave uh, and you have to be back in your seat before the commercial ends, or you just wait until the next commercial break to come back inside. Uh, and so out in the lobby, there's a, there's a bar that has, you know, waters and sodas and, and alcohol. And then there's sometimes there's snacks like bag of potato chips or pretzels or something, but you pretty much go out there and, and use the restroom. And by the time you're done with that, uh, you know, the show's back on. And so you just have to wait till the next commercial break, which is five or 10 minutes later. And then you go back in your seat. Got it. That's something that I noticed watching at home that when they would cut to commercial, sometimes they would go to a camera that showed folks in a lobby talking at a bar. Uh-huh. But so that's available throughout the ceremony for folks who do get up or just want to get up. 
That's um, right. Yep. During that time. Okay. So we hinted at some of this before when you talked about moving around in the seats. Talk to us more about what happens when they actually announce the winner. Well, obviously, you know, you're, if it's your category, you're sitting nervous and, and, uh, and, and hopeful. And then they announce the winner and uh, the, it's somebody near you because that's your whole group is near you. You know, all the different sound nominees are near you and, and they get up and they walk down and they give the, their speech. I'm not a hundred percent sure what happens after their speech is done. I imagine they're ushered off into a different press room where they give the interviews that you see the post uh, award interviews, you know, from the press asking them how they feel. And, but as a, as a nominee who doesn't win, you're, you basically, you just sit there in your seat and your category comes and goes and, you know, you either wait until the commercial break and you get up and use the restroom because now you're, your nerves have calmed because your category is done and the nervousness is over. Uh, or you just hang out in your seat and watch the show. We've done both, you know, where we get <laughs> up right away right after our category and go use the restroom and get a drink or, or you just hang out and, and, you know, just kick back and watch the rest of the show. Because at that point you have been so nervous and the, the, the buildup to this moment has been there for the last, you know, month and a half after getting nominated all the way to whoever got the award. And then now you're, off the hook or, or relaxed or, you know, just like, okay, done. You know, that's it. Yeah. I can only imagine. Tell me more about what does happen during the commercial breaks. In other words, folks are telling you about what's coming up next or everyone is just sort of in their small conversations and they give you a warning when they're coming back. How, how's that work? In the, in the commercial breaks. Yeah. You, you kind of stand, you stretch or you just chit chat with people around you. You know, and they, they do a countdown over the loudspeaker, you know, back in 30 seconds, you know, back in 15. And then when you're, you know, two or three seconds away, okay, we're live, applause, please, you know, and then you clap and, or they, you know, if, if a lot of people are standing in the aisle still because everybody's stretching, they say, okay, everybody take your seats. We're back in 10 seconds. You know, it's kind of like what you would imagine a live show would be. There's somebody in a booth telling everybody what to do and okay, here we go. And it sounds to me that in some ways, things are staged for the television broadcast more than the television broadcast is capturing a live event. If that makes any sense. It's yeah. like the, the balance of the planning is around what TV needs versus TV, just capturing something that runs on its own, like sports, for example. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think that there's, there's moments where that it doesn't, you know, you're, you're supposed to take, I think 45 seconds to, to give a speech, but if it's a speech by somebody who's who everybody wants to hear from or has something interesting to say, they'll let them, they'll let them go because this is probably a once in a lifetime chance. And that's sometimes, you know, you'll see it where, okay, that speech was a minute and a half and, but some other people's speeches are 30 seconds. So it's just, a, it, it's not a hundred percent locked in, you know, for TV, but it is a TV. It's definitely a TV program for the entertainment. And that's why you have different musical numbers and different acts in between uh, the categories. Tell me what it was like being there for that opening, the Janelle Monet performance a lot of energy came through watching it at home. Did you feel that same kind of energy on the floor? Oh yeah, I'm sure the, it was different. Opening, but yeah, tell oh, me no, about the it. opening song was it was so fun. I mean that that just that sets the tone for the night. You know, you just you know you're in for a good show, and and uh, everybody's excited to you know to to be part of it. And so she she just did an amazing job setting off that whole night in a, such a positive way that I think that that's important to, to have a good opening because that, that does set the, the mood for the rest of the night. And for the energy that the crowd is going to have, yeah, yeah. It's, not a, it's not a crowd of background folks that you could coach one direction or the other. Right, exactly. <laughs> and what about like when Eminem came out? That's the other performance that there was a lot of talk about. After yeah, that was, uh, everybody was shocked and everybody was excited in the, in the crowd, you know, because, I mean, we haven't seen, well, I haven't seen Eminem in a while in a long time. It was just such like a well-kept secret that, you know, nobody knew he was going to be performing. And so like, you know, the fact that you could still surprise people with the amount of information there is out there that they were able to keep that a secret. was just amazing. The, the lead up to it was just like so fun and special that I think that everybody, everybody's jaw was dropped to the ground when he, when he came up out of the stage. Were there other moments during the ceremony that stuck with you as far as, wow, this is, I'm actually here while this is happening? Well, I mean, obviously, um, Parasite winning the amount of awards it did, and that, was, that was really special because I think, honestly, that was the best movie of the year. I mean, it was a, the, the movie was picked in the, in the right way. Sometimes you go and, you know, you have your own personal feelings about who should win, who shouldn't win, and, 
you know, obviously nobody ever agrees to that or agrees a hundred percent on what their favorites are. But to me, that was uh, one of the best movies. And it was, you know, I was nervous going into the night for them thinking, Oh, what if, you know, if they don't get the recognition, then, you know, what does that mean? And it was kind of exciting to see that they got that recognition and got the, the acknowledgement that it doesn't matter who makes the movie if the movie's good. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, so that was, that was fun. I mean, obviously on the La La Land, uh, you know, four years ago, it was fun to be in the audience when they called the wrong movie at the end. You know, <laughs> that's history making. I mean, there, there are things like that where you just, you're, you're just in awe, you know, that you're there. But it's also the fact that you're there. I've been watching the Academy Awards, you know, ever since I can remember and, and loving movies ever since I can remember. And so just being a part of that, you know, it does strike you from time to time in the audience. And you just, you're just kind of a little bit in denial, a little bit in shock that you're, you get to participate and be part of the whole event, the whole night. You know, it's just really a, a special thing. Yeah, I bet. Now, you talked some earlier about the Governor's Ball being the first event after the Oscars. Where is the Governor's Ball taking place? Well, so the Governor's Ball is on basically the top floor of the Dolby Theater. So it's in the same building. You leave the theater and there's signs that just, you know, there's arrows that point you to the Governor's Ball. And you have your tickets out because your tickets, you have to have tickets to the Governor's Ball. And people check your ticket and you go up the escalator and two or three floors later, you arrive at the governor's ball and there's a press line there for the press that want to talk to people who have just won their awards. And then for the people who haven't just won their awards, you walk right in and each studio kind of has a zone. Uh, our movie was a 20th century Fox movie, which is now uh, Disney. So we, we sat over at the Disney area and you know, you, you sit down at a table and you know, waiters come around, waiters, waitresses come around to ask you if you want anything to drink or, and it's kind of past hors d'oeuvres, but you know, like I think we had uh, chicken and waffles uh, was one of the hors d'oeuvres. So it's not a small plate, but you know, or they bring you a salad or whatever the, the different varieties of food that they have there. And, and you kind of sit there and recharge and, and that's where your, all your other nominees and winners or, or not winners from your movie and your studio come and, and hang out, you know, that's the first place that they'll end up. And you'd mentioned there's not much food downstairs. Like, so that's a pretty long ceremony. And particularly if you started as early as you have. Yeah. I mean, you, you start at your house, you know, in the morning, obviously, and everybody's getting ready and you try to remember to eat before you leave. Cause you're going to leave at one thirty, and probably not get up to the governor's ball until eight thirty, nine o'clock, something like that. And so that's your first real food. My wife is actually very smart. She she sews a pocket into her dresses every year, <laughs> Good. like you know, granola bars and and candies and and food to to sustain you through the the ceremony. So that's always that's always like you know that's an insider tip is bring your own snacks for the ceremony because you're going to be starving otherwise. But um, but yeah, so that's the first food you you go up there, and that's that's where you really start uh, the celebration after the ceremony is up at the governor's ball, and you can stay there for you can stay there all night. You know, they have live bands and singers and entertainment and food and drinks. It's kind of nonstop there. The, depending on your movie, you know, you, you have an after party that you can go to, you know, like Disney or Warner Brothers or any studio, Universal, they'll all throw their own after parties. And so you get to be part of that and you go to that, which is, well, I guess I should tell you, let's see, what do you do? You, you, leave, the, you leave the governor's ball, <laughs> you go to the, the car stand where you basically you tell the, the, there's a person with a desk and you say, you know, I'm in car 101 or whatever it is. And they look you up and they call your driver and say, okay, your person is ready to be picked up. And they say, okay, I'm on my way. And so then you make your way down and you're going the opposite way on the red carpet. So the red carpet shut down, obviously, but it's still a carpet of, it's still red and, and there's still the, the structure there. There's just no press and you're walking down and they have a couple little spots for coffee. You know, if you're, you're tired or, or whatever, you want a coffee for the rest of the night. And then you go where you were dropped off at the red carpet and you just wait for your number to be called. They have a megaphone. They have three lines of cars and they have a megaphone. And every time a car pulls up, they go, you know, car 42, car 101, basically waiting to hear your car. And if you miss it, it has to go all the way around and come back around, which is probably a half hour round trip. So you don't want to miss your car. And, you know, you jump in your car and then they drive you over to the to the next party, you know, to your studio's party or, or whatever party you want to, that you're, you're invited to go to. Tell me when you're waiting for your car, or even when yep. you're on the red carpet or in the lobby outside or all these areas where obviously working on the films that you do and the sets you're on, you interact with these people on a, on a working, you know, day-to-day -day working basis. 
but is it different when everything has gone up to this next level where people are, or are they not different? Is it the same or similar, that sort of experience at the Oscars versus being on set? Yeah, no, I don't think there's, I don't think there's a difference when it, it comes down to how people are, you know, if people are nice on set, they're nice at the Oscars. If, you know, I mean, I think, I think people are just who they are and I think everybody's excited to be there. I don't think anybody feels like, it doesn't feel like anybody feels like, Oh, I should be here and you shouldn't, you know, mm-hmm. I think it, it feels just like a celebration of movies and we're all excited to be there together. And I think that's really how it comes across to me every year. I guess it's different in that sense. When you're working, you're working, you know, everybody's working towards a goal. When you're at the Oscars, you're there to celebrate all the movies of the year. And, and you know, it's more of a celebration than work. You know what I mean? I do. Okay. So governor's ball, did you go to the studio party after that? The after party as well? Yeah. So we, we were at the governor's ball and then, uh, yeah, we grabbed our car, went to, um, uh, after party, uh, and we just kind of hung out with friends and, and people that you meet along the way because, you know, you become friends with other nominees and, and all the different categories as well. And so, you know, it's kind of a, it's fun to, to celebrate together the end of the season, the end of the award season together. But by that point in the night, my wife and I are pretty wiped out. I mean, we, you know, you feel like you've gone on a marathon run for the last month because every weekend leading up to the Oscars, there was an event. You know, the weekend before the Oscars, we were in London for the BAFTAs. The weekend before the BAFTAs, there was our, our Guild Awards. Uh, the weekend before that, we were in Santa Barbara doing an awards. You end up, you know, you feel like you run a marathon because in between all that, you're still working. And so by the end of the night, when you're at that second party, you're like, okay, I think, I think this is it. And you kind of, you know, you say your goodbyes to people and you realize, okay, it's midnight. Let's get out of here. And uh, you end up going home because I think at that point you're just, you you know, all your adrenaline has been pumping for the last month and now it's, it's, it's over. So, um, so we typically, you know, we're home around midnight, one in the morning. And and that that's been our experience for the last couple of times that we've, or the three times we've been there. So one last question about these after parties, although you didn't take advantage of it, is your Oscar ticket enough to get you into any of these after parties or do you have to have separate tickets or invites for these events as well? So to get into the parties, you have to be invited, uh, obviously, to go into a party. Your Oscar ticket gets you into the Oscars, your governor's ball ticket gets you into the governor's ball, and then you have to be invited to a to an after party. What we've been told is if you win the Oscar, you can kind of go to any party you want and the Oscar is your ticket in. Got it. But um, that's just what we've been told. Since our experience hasn't, hasn't been that yet, we don't know. Well, let's talk about some of these other awards that you mentioned during the season. Yeah, Ford v. Ferrari was up for a bunch of stuff this year. Um, some awards that even I wasn't aware of going all the way back to, to last November at these. How, how do these awards ceremonies differ from each other? Hollywood Film Awards were the first kind of awards that we went to you get an email saying, Hey, there's an award ceremony. Um, here's when it is. You've won. We'd like you to come and accept your award. And so that's kind of a fun start because you already win, you know, knowing you're going. So, so, they're, no inviting, there. so they're inviting the winners. They've had that's their, right. it's not just the nominees. They're inviting folks that they've selected. And that's it's right. more about presenting the award than announcing. it. Exactly. Got yep. It. Yeah. You know, there's no pressure in that sense. You just go and you have a, a nice night with the rest of your, rest of your sound people and the rest of your, your people on your movie. I mean, for sound, there's three major awards that are announced. There's the Cinema Audio Society Awards. That's our Guild Award. Uh, there's the British Oscars, the BAFTAs, and then the Academy Award. Those are the three major ones. And so those are you know, announced, and, and it's just like anything else. You go to the award ceremony, and they announce the winner, and you go up and give a speech, or you sit in your, cha- you sit in your chair and you watch them give a speech to the winner. So, yeah, I mean, those are the three you know, main awards that you, you know, you kind of have a vested interest in going and seeing who wins. So those are the three majors that adrenaline through several months. That's got to be pretty intense. Yeah, you definitely feel, I mean, we still feel a little wrecked, you know, a week, a week later. Um, leading, leading up to the awards, you, you know, you're, you're running at hundred miles an hour, trying to, trying to do as much press as you can, trying to do as many Q and A's as you can to try to get the word out of why your, you know, your film is nominated and why it, you know, should or shouldn't win, you know, an, an award, obviously. You know, for example, we went to uh, London for the BAFTAs and on the flight, you know, it's an 11-hour, 12-hour flight home. And when we landed, you know, the, the studio picked us up and they drove us home. And then they came back about two hours later to pick me up and drive me back down towards Fox to do a, a Q&A that night. Wow. You know, ran until 10.30 at night and then drove me home. And then the next morning went straight to work. So, 
lot to do with a little bit of time to do it, especially this year. The, the Oscar season was compressed. Mm-hmm. It was a lot quicker than, than usual. So they were trying to pack as much as they can in, you know, for the, the award season in general is, is much more compressed. Mm-hmm. So, well, Steve, you've been nominated three of the last four years. Do you get any less nervous year to year? I think, yeah. I, well, I think um, going into La La Land's nomination, we didn't know what to expect, what each event was. Um, I think going into A Star is Born, you know, was more comfortable because you you understood what was ahead of you. I think it's not that you get more comfortable or relaxed. I think it's just that you have an understanding of what's ahead of you better mm-hmm. than than you did when you first get nominated. You have no idea what's about to happen. So I think it is... Uh, I think it's more comfortable, I guess, at least the second time around, because the first time you just don't know what's, what's, you know, in store for you. Now, did your wife have the food pocket innovation that first year as well? Or is that something that that was a lesson learned? Well, I think, uh, no, she's always made uh, pockets in her dresses. Okay. Uh, And I, and she's often said that all dresses should have pockets because you still need to carry stuff even if you're in a dress. So, <laughs> Were there other lessons learned that you maybe you did differently because of knowing what was coming up? I think, yeah, I think the major lesson that you learned is just to enjoy, just to be in the moment and just enjoy it because you just, you never know. I mean, that could be the only time you've ever been nominated. You may never get nominated again. And I think it's just a, a fun celebration of movies that you get to be part of and just try to enjoy it. I think you could put too much pressure on yourself or, or put too much weight into the, the outcome versus the journey. Uh, it's not the destination, it's the journey to get there. So I think that's the, the fun part, uh, to at least to keep in, in mind, just to, just to enjoy the ride. Well, Steve, definitely enjoyed that you came back on the show. Tell us about your ride. Uh, really appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much for your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And that's a wrap on season four of Below the Line. Listeners, I'd appreciate your feedback. You can email skid, S-K-I-D, at belowtheline1word.biz. That's B-I-Z. If you're an iTunes user, please rate us. And if so inclined, leave a comment. It really does help us reach new listeners. And if you're on Facebook, you can find photos and other behind-the-scenes materials at Podcast Below the Line. Finally, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Pod Below the Line. Thanks to Curtis Five for our music and John Juan for our logo. The logo is available on t-shirts, mugs, and stickers at redbubble.com. Season four is done, but the work on season five is already underway, and I'm planning to release new episodes after a short break. Hope you'll join us then.